Um, so as I mentioned before, there's really so much to love and appreciate about New City Church, and it's in that spirit of appreciation that I would like to mention just a few. Well, number one, I love the vision and planting of the planting of New City Church. Years ago, several pastors from various churches from around Kansas City, uh, as a part of a, a, a citywide service ministry called What If the Church, got together. Three different churches got together and said, let's plant a church. What if we planted a church? And that's where we are right now. I love that. I love that about New City. I love that as of last week, New City Church is now growing into four campuses. As we like to say, one church, multiple locations. So New City Loma Vista, located, located in Raytown, Missouri, will launch very soon. And we could be more excited for what God has in store for Loma, Loma Vista. So I love also that we are located in an old dollar theater next to a dollar general. So did you know that under this floor, under this floor we had raised our hundreds and hundreds of names written in Sharpie pen. One of the first activities that we ever did when we got here, uh, as far as the launch team. And in fact, I, I think I was on my knees over there with my, my kids and my wife. And I, I wrote several names under there, several names. And they're all over the place. We had the floor lifted, of course, because this was a, was a theater. All right, you have a theater over there, a theater over here. We had the, we had the floor lifted. And, um, you know, someday wouldn't it be amazing to find out how many people were healed, how many people were blessed, how many people were saved as a result of that activity? Wouldn't that be something? And I love that about New City. I love that my wife was uh, one of the first to be baptized in that room next door. I love that. She went first. She went, she went first. I, I was watching it, and uh, I, was, I was amazed at, at that step of obedience. I soon followed, and then I had the honor of baptizing my son. Several years after that, my daughter was actually baptized at her sister church over at Westside, one of the churches that helped plant New City. So I love that we... As a church, I love that we value and appreciate the biblical step of baptism. As our vision statement says, we want to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. So Jesus performed many signs, miracles, and wonders. But not before he was baptized as an adult. Performed many signs, miracles, and wonders. He was 30 years old when he was baptized. Jesus performed many signs. I love that. I love that we can follow that example. I love that we embrace a discipleship culture patterned after the spiritual pathway of Jesus. You know that Jesus had a spiritual pathway that you can, you can see and you can replicate. We should replicate the steps of Jesus. We should do that. Discipleship groups here at New City Church depend on open, honest, and vulnerable relationships that produce trusted and reliable people that are qualified to teach others to be good soldiers of Christ. We read that in 2 Timothy. I love that. I love that we are an up, in, and out church that puts the word of God first, takes care of the people inside, takes care of the family, and then care for the lo- and love the people outside these walls. See, we are a missional church, and I love that. I love that. One recent example of this fact is our participation and our sponsoring as the lead sponsor of Old Shawnee Days. Who attended? Nice. Good. Wonderful. Um, awesome. My, uh, my entire family had a great time there. We uh, had a great time rubbing elbows with the community, serving alongside some of you at the cheese fry tent, worshiping on Sunday morning outside the fairgrounds. That was probably my favorite. It was a nice day. If you remember, uh, it wasn't too hot. 
It was great. We saw we saw all the campuses come together. The Loma Vista people, uh, who I, I have had the pleasure of of uh, working with the last three or four weeks. My wife is there today, just talking with them and going over some some things. And and uh, they came. They, they they took the bus. They, they took the bus, and they were there. So I was just reminded once again last weekend when, uh, when a need in the community arises, New City Church steps up to the plate. The people of New City Church step up to the plate and they meet the need. The spirit of helping the community and desiring to see it better, it's based in Scripture. It's based right out of Scripture. I love this. One of the foundational verses that inspire New City Church, and you're going to see it on the screen here. And I'm going to ask that, I'm, I'm just going to kind of talk a story about it. I'm going to give you a little foundation. Um, this is one of the first things I heard. Some of the folks talk about New City when we got here. It's Acts chapter 8. So it says that uh, in Scripture, it says that in the months following the ascension of Jesus, and you can read along here, in the months following the uh, ascension of Jesus, the Bible says that there was a great persecution. You know, think about that, that, that word great persecution. It broke out in and around Jerusalem. Believing friends, believing family were scattered. How scary would that be? Imagine you and your family scattered. Friends scattered. Many were put in prison. It says women and children put in prison. And it's fair to say that several lost their lives. Why wouldn't it be fair to say? Why is that so outlandish? It just said, it, it says in, it says in the, uh, if you track along a little bit further, that you know, Saul was going everywhere. The believers who, that were scattered. Now get this. It said that godly men buried Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. So it seems to me that you know, they, they would want to carry on that pattern. They were put in prison. It's fair to say that they lost their lives for confessing the love of Jesus. But if that was the end of the story, it would be very distressing. If that was the end of the story. But it wasn't. It wasn't the end of the story. It goes on to say that some that were scattered preached the word wherever they went, including an evangelist, a young evangelist named Philip. And I love this guy. I love Philip. It said crowds followed and listened to Philip. They saw miracles in Jesus' name. We witnessed these things. The result in Samaria where where Philip was, and others were there. And, and if we get to the, the last uh, verse, verse 8, and I love this. There was great joy in that city. Think of that. Great persecution. Great joy. What if it was great persecution to just joy? No, there was great joy in that city. And that is the spirit of how new city that's what we pattered off of. That was one of the first things I can remember of Acts. Don't forget Acts, guys. There was great joy in that city. The year that, the year that New City was planted, there were many indications that this region of Johnson County, where we're, sit- where we're sitting right here, had higher rates of poverty, higher rates of crime, higher rates of despair than, than, than most others. You know, I, I, I share that story sometimes. I say, and people say, Johnson County. Come on. Come on, Jake. No, it's true. You know, I, I, I went on a jog this morning in our neighborhoods, all around it, and you can see it. You, you, you can still see it. Um, and and I've, been in, I've, lived, I've been living in Johnson County for 15 years. 
within a year of us being here, and with God's blessing, most importantly, all of these statistics improved. Did you know that? Every single one of those statistics improved. In fact, many news agencies came out to do a story on News 30 Church. We, we even made the nightly news. We made the nightly news. Fox 4 News came in and said, what are you, what are you all doing here? They actually had to have police come in to, to, to validate, yes, all those statistics, they're all, they're all going down. All those, all those figures. It's wonderful. So, and with that, this would be a great segue, wouldn't it, to introduce um, our newest series. So, you know, if you have, if you have your, <clears throat> your bulletin, you know, just kind of wave it at me, wave it at me, fan it at me. Um, you're going to notice that um, there's several announcements that I believe Curtis is going to talk about a little bit later. Um, but notice that the inside, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of area there for notes. There's, uh, there's, but it's a very simple top there about the BLESS acronym I want to talk about in a little bit. All right, so we, we're, we need to be conscientious, conscious note-takers. I think, we, I think we should be. Conscious note-takers, you know, the studies show that if, if you hear something, you'll remember about 40%. If you write it down, about 70%. So we should be conscientious. We should be conscientious uh, note-takers. Uh, so uh, feel free, whatever's your heart, to, uh, to take some notes down um, as we start this, this new series. So the newest teaching series uh, is called Love Thy Neighborhood. Love thy neighborhood, and for the next several weeks, we will be exploring many questions and hopefully giving you practical and biblical ways to interact and help your neighborhood make it an Acts chapter 8 kind of a place, a joyful place to live, work, and play in. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be something? So uh, when Trista and I first moved into the neighborhood, it got off to kind of a rocky start. My wife uh, was pregnant uh, with our first child. She was about eight months pregnant. She was quickly bitten by a neighbor's dog. <laughs> yeah. Bitten by a neighbor's dog. Uh, I didn't tell her I was going to tell you that story. So, um, But we, you know, we hardly knew anybody. And, and like the third day we were in the house, the doorbell rang. I'm like, oh, okay, here, here comes the, the cookies. Here, here comes. And I opened the door, my, my wife still got the bandage wherever, but I opened the, the door and somebody had run off and then left a dead rose right there on the, on the porch. And I'm like, what does that mean? I Googled. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, you know, welcome to the neighborhood, right? That, that's, what it, that's what it felt like. Uh, I remember uh, the last moving truck that I, I had brought into the neighborhood, like this guy came by and, and just gave me the just really bad look. You know, and I know where he lives still, and I'm hoping to go meet him. <laughs> but, and, but, but it was like, wow, you know, you just, you had that feeling. But isn't that how it goes sometimes in our neighborhood and with our neighbors? You know, we, we, we wave, we give a nod. Maybe sometimes we uh, loan things out to each other. But if we don't know our neighbors, then it can be really hard for us to begin to love our, our neighborhood and love our neighbors, right? You see, Jesus was asked that question by some of the experts in the law. We can actually see that in Scripture here. And you're going to see it behind, uh, behind me. He was asked by uh, an expert in the law. He said, this, this expert in the law came up there and said, Okay, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Does anybody know the greatest commandment? Holler it out if you know it. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, it... it this, this, this expert in the law probably came up and, and um, was like, yeah, we're going to get him here, okay? Because, you know, there's 613 
laws in the Old Testament. There's 613 laws in the Old Testament, and it says, you know, about two-thirds of those are positive, and, and then some of them are negative, and, um, but, um, you know, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see what he does here. Well, open with me if you have your, your Bible app, or if you have a Bible with you, uh, if you can read on the screen behind me. Um, let's look at Matthew twenty two thirty seven to 39. Let's look at this. It says, um, so Jesus responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your entire mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Just like it. Equal. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, Jesus was actually uh, pulling back from the Old Testament, which actually, it's kind of funny. Jesus is, is the Word. The Word became flesh, so he's like quoting himself. You know, he's like, you know, so Deuteronomy, it comes from Deuteronomy 6.5. It's, uh, we, we, all, we all know it as the Shema, or the, uh, uh, you know, the great commandment that, uh, you know, the, the, the rabbis, the priests, the Levites, and families would always be talking to their kids about. And he said, walk around town talking to your, your kids about reminding them about uh, this greatest commandment. You know, um, the second part there comes from Leviticus. You know, that's one of the often uh, neglected books in the Old Testament. But, I, you know, I, I, I caution you, don't, don't leave that out. You need to look at Leviticus. Wonderful stuff. Jesus quoted Leviticus all the time. You know, in 19.9, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, even Paul loved it. <laughs> Paul, you know, when, when he converted, when the scales fell off his eyes, Paul started to uh, uh, quote in Romans 13.10, he says, y'all, love fulfills the law. Love. You know, and, and, you know, music, musicians love to do this, right? Bring me a higher love. It's the highest law. Goo Goo Dolls had a song called Love. I mean, we, it, it, check out your radio station. Go ahead. When you go home, check out your radio station. Take it off K-Love for a second. Put it on 99.7. And every other song is going to be spiritual. It's written on our hearts. It says eternity. God says, God says eternity is written in our hearts. Every single one of us is written on our hearts. And love is the highest law. It's the highest law there is. So today I would like to talk through this idea of knowing and loving our neighbor. So if the greatest commandment Jesus gives is to love our neighbor, we probably need to know how to do that, right? But also we need to know who our neighbors are. So this is a critical issue. This is a critical issue. Our neighborhoods are broken, folks. It's because we're broken neighbors. And if we want better neighborhoods, then we need to be better neighbors. I did some homework and found out some facts and figures that speak to the condition of our neighborhood and society. Check this out. Pew Research. Pew Research Centers found out that 43% of Americans know most of their neighbors, but only one-third know them by name. In the same survey, almost 60% said they would never have a party or a get-together with their neighbors. But as believers, we're called. But as believers, we are called and commanded to love our neighbors. University of California, uh, San Francisco, performed a study that stated that almost 50% of people uh, record, uh, reported that they were chronically lonely. Chronically lonely. Yeah, this is alarming. You, you've, been, you've seen the news. The alarm of increased levels of social isolation, depression, and loneliness is scary, even in spite of our technology and our advancements in technology and our social networking sites like Facebook, Snapchat, goes on and on and on. So, and I need to say this, that they can be a means to an end. 
They can be a means to an end. There was a study that said that when you use your social media to connect to others, to have face-to-face conversations, that's great. That's great. Actually, loneliness goes down. But when you do it as a destination, do it to compare yourself to other people, loneliness will go up. I feel like I needed to say that today. So humans need love and affection. This is no... That's no secret. This is biologically proven even. Uh, Jesus called us to love the people around us, our neighbors. But who are these people that Jesus called us to love? Who are they? Well, if you take a look uh, here in a minute, we're going to look at uh, Luke 10, 25. But Webster's, let's look at what Webster says about a neighbor. Webster defines a neighbor as a fellow human being. Just a fellow human being. Someone located near you. That would be how the world would classify a neighbor, wouldn't it? But shouldn't we as believers classify it a little differently? Fortunately for us, Jesus was asked the same question. And here's how he responded. So uh, turn with me to uh, Luke 10. Turn with me to Luke 10, 25. So if you recall, <clears throat> let me give you a little context and background here. When, if you recall, Jesus had sent out 72 of his, of his top-notch disciples. Sent them out in and around the countryside. And he said, look, here's what you need to take. Here's what you don't need to take. When you get to somebody's house, say, peace be in this house. If somebody accepted you, great. Go in and eat what they give you. Drink what they give you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's what he, that's what he said. If, if the peace wasn't, wasn't returned, dust your sandals and you go on to the next place. Not a disrespectful way, but just go on to the next place. Dust your sandals and go. So... Remember, the 72 believers were sent out to various towns instructing, and they were instructed. So it's in this situation that we find Jesus being questioned by some of the leaders of the law, and they wanted some answers because it's funny because, you know, it's almost like these 72 came back to Jesus, and they expressed great joy. That's what it says. It says they, they expressed great joy. And then later on, if you track a little further than that, Jesus actually praises the Father and says, I'm joy, I'm, I'm joy-filled. I am joy filled here, but then this is this is when this is when he just he gives the parable of the great of of the good Samaritan. This is he's probably sitting down. He's he's feeling the joy that that God had given him from sending sending those seventy two, and they came back right. And so in verse twenty five, I'll start here. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Hmm. He says, "Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, what must I do to live forever?" Okay, now remember, this is, this is interesting because Jesus was, was he was around like the, the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees, he was around the experts in the law, and, this, and the, the Sadducees, they, they didn't believe in eternal life. They didn't believe in it. And so Jesus had already rebuked them, and these Sadducees are like, you know. But that, that's what's going on in this, in, this, in this context. So Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? How do you read it? So the, the expert in the law says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted, he, he goes a little further then. So the, the expert in the law says, well, you know, because he wanted to justify himself. You know, he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's like he's questioning himself, right? And so he asked Jesus, and but who's, who's my neighbor, though? Who's my neighbor? 
just so I, just so I can know this. And so then Jesus sat down and he starts to talk about this parable. I love this parable. He says, okay, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He says, look after him. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then he looks at the expert in the law and he says, now, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law said, I think it was the man who, who had mercy on him. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Take a look at this. He says, go and do likewise. Remember, earlier he says, do this and you'll live. Do this and you'll live. Go and do likewise. You know, it's all across Scripture. Jesus says, go and, go and do this. There's always action. There's always, Jesus, he loves that response, but there's always action. Think about the woman at the well. Go and do that. Think about the woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. Right? It's always go and do this. Okay? You know, we don't, it's, you know, we don't obey and hope to follow Jesus. We, you know, we follow Jesus and we can't help to obey. Right? So there's a lot to unpack in the scripture, but I really want to just focus on this one question. Who is my neighbor? So once again, it's going to be uh, hard to love our neighbor and our neighborhood if we don't know who they are. So let's take a look at uh, some people here. So there's a man traveling on, on a very historically sketchy road, right? We've, we've been there. Come on, you, you've, you've been down a road, you've been, maybe, you, maybe you're from a neighborhood like this, you know, uh, you know, 10 miles from here, 10 miles from here is the most dangerous part in the, of the country. New York Times came out with it, uh, uh, Kansas City, Missouri, the most violent neighborhoods in the whole entire nation. 10, 10 miles from here, my wife and I and kids, we went down, uh, we had some fun down in, uh, we went to the museum the other day. We checked it out. We stopped and ate at a place. I saw a young man, clearly some gang tattoos all over, and he had an anklet, right? And I, I, I was like, you know, he was, he was picking up dishes. And I just said, hey, man, what do you think about this ice cream here? And he was like, I've never had it. I don't eat here. And I said, okay. Well, we're going to get it anyway. And so, but you know what? I thought, man, I don't know if I'll... I don't know if I'll see this guy again. I, I probably won't, right? And uh, tattoos all over his face, and he, he had, a, he had a, a scratch right here and right here. You could tell he had done some self-harm. And as we were leaving, he, like looks, he, he sets his tray down, and he just looks at me. And I looked at him. You know, wherever we go, there's a man traveling. We've, we're We're traveling. That's my neighbor, even though that's way far away. That, that's my neighbor. You know, um, think about this. The two religious men, seeing the, seeing the, men bat, the man battered and going to the next side of the road to avoid him. See, I, I teach uh, sociology. 
I teach sociology, and uh, uh, sociologists call this the bystander effect or bystander apathy. When there's a group of people and something happens to a person, people just ignore it. It's also called pluralistic ignorance. Let it not be so with anybody in this room. Let it not be so. You know, these two religious men, these religious men were supposed to be doing something, went to the other side to avoid him. But here's the kicker. The Samaritan man having mercy on the injured Jewish man. Now remember, Samaritans were to be avoided, weren't thought highly of. Yet Jesus uses him as the example, ultimately saying, it doesn't matter who it is, just love him. So it begs the question, what kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor am I? We can be intentional with our efforts with people around us no matter who they are. So we're called on purpose to be a light and, a bl- and, and we're, we're, we're called on purpose to be a light and a blessing to a broken neighborhood. So here's some practical steps that our friends over at Westside Church have come up with effective, to effectively reach our neighbors. I love it. It's the, called the BLESS acronym. If you look in your, um, in your insert here, uh, fill this out with me. Fill this out with me real quick. It's, um, so the B, the, the acronym B starts with um, spli- begin with prayer. Begin with saying a prayer. Begin with praying for your neighbors. Begin to pray to know their names. Begin maybe to pray to how to love them. Later on uh, in several weeks, we're going to talk about how to, love a, how to love a bad neighbor or how to love a bad neighborhood. We're going to talk about that. The L stands for listen to them first. Listen to their hopes. Listen to their dreams, struggles, and celebrations. You know, lately, um, lately I've been thinking, man, I want to treat everybody like they're the only person in the room, all right? If, if my neighbors come up to me, I want to try to avoid all those distractions, and I just want to, how can I make them feel like they're the only person in the neighborhood, the only person in the street? You can do it. I mean, it was, it was hard for me, but I, I, I tried to do this. Listen to what they, they say for, uh, the third, the E is, is to eat with them. Eat with them. You know, walls come down when folks eat. Right? I mean, it's true. It, and, and today we're actually going uh, to put this on uh, in, in action. And after the, the, uh, the 1230, after the 1130 service, you're welcome to come back. But we're going to have some burgers out there. We're going to have some food out there. We're going to celebrate with the neighbor. We're just going to do it out there in the courtyard. And we're going to do that. We're having an open table this week uh, on Thursday, I believe. We're doing these open tables, and so talk with some people about that. Uh, invite some people over to your house. The, the uh, first S is serving. Serving by discovering what your neighbors need. How, how, can, you, how can you help your neighbor? And sometimes it might be, um, you know, maybe it's letting them bless you with something. I know a lady uh, in my neighborhood that loves to just give you things, and so, you know, I just felt like I needed to, I didn't even need any eggs, I just asked her, do you have eggs? I said, let me get some eggs. And she goes, okay. I mean, we had a ton of eggs just, to, just so she, listen. And it's hard, isn't it, sometimes to accept gifts, isn't it? But you know that when you don't accept gifts, when you say no thanks, you know, you're not accepting that blessing. Even if you're full. Even if you've already got a cup of coffee, you know, if somebody says, hey, man, here's, okay. You know, bless another person by allowing them to bless you. That fourth or that fifth word there, that letter. Second S, share your story. Where you come from and who you are in, in Jesus. Um, you know, it, it would help to, especially if you don't know the neighbor, to, to kind of share who you are first and to share maybe where you come from and get to know them a little bit. Okay? I think that would be helpful. Um, 
Look. We have, a, we have another kind of practical way for you to uh, uh, start intentionally get involved with your neighborhood. And that's, um, you know, I have a little, uh, it's a magnet, okay? And we're going we're gonna to put this up on, on my refrigerator. And it's a dry erase magnet. And you know what? Put your neighbor's names in there. You know, and if you don't know them, maybe find out and put it right here. And begin to pray with them and intentionally go invite them to do something. Or... Ask to borrow something or see if they need any help or assistance. So we have these in the back as you're walking out, you know, shake a hand and, and grab one of these and, and, and start using some actionable steps to do that. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite Curtis and the band to, to come up. And uh, while they're coming up here and getting uh, set up, um, I'd like to pray for us, all right? Um, but I'd also, I also would like to... Uh, I also want to share with you another quote. I told you I'm a quote person. And, um, you know, this quote, I want you to put yourself, so it's it's the 1930s in Europe, okay? There are ominous signs everywhere. Folks are disappearing, scattering. And um, there was a man by the name of Martin Niemöller who was a pastor in Germany. And uh, this, is, this is attributed to Martin Niemöller, although late, lately uh, some folks have questioned whether it was him or maybe his wife, but it was a poem. He passed away several years ago. But I love this poem because it says, first, first they came for the communists. And I didn't speak out. Because I wasn't a communist. And then they came for the socialists. And I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the the, the union people. But I wasn't in the union. Then they came for the Jewish people. But I wasn't Jewish. And then they came for me. And there was nobody left to speak for me. You know, here's the thing. The bystander effect, it's a real deal. Bystander apathy, it's a real deal. Jesus sums it up the best. He says, have mercy on people. That's what he says. I'd like to pray for us. Father, give us courage to know and love our neighbors. Increase our capacity and our desire to have mercy on the others. And all the people said...